When we got started in 2008, everybody was like, you're like Craigslist, we cannot use Phil Nation, we are an enterprise. And now, fast forward 14 years later, we're the largest field services labor provider in IT and telecom space. Welcome to the Work Podcast brought to you by OpenAssembly. I'm John Windsor and today I'm with Manuel Khan. Manuel is the founder and CEO of Field Nation, the leading online work marketplace for connecting people to get work done. Field Nation's online platform combines a deep expertise marketplace with a complete project and workflow management platform to deliver skilled on-site professionals anytime and anywhere. Hi Manuel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Just the last few minutes of the conversation we've been having is so great. It's super fun for me to meet somebody who's been in the biz for a long time. There's a few of us that are kind of the old guard, right? I I started in Open Talent in 2001, and we didn't even call it that back then, right? We called it like co-creation. And, and then when Jeff Howe came around, crowdsourcing, and it's been a long journey. And, and I think you got, you started your business in 2004, right? Well, I started my first business, which is this, exactly the similar business model in 2004. The company didn't succeed. Uh, so I started this one, but this is my second attempt to solving this problem in the field service space. But Field Nation, I started in 2008. That's right. Wow. So how did you even come up? And back then there was like a handful of us that were trying to figure this stuff out. And obviously back in 2004, you could kind of throw a rock and not hit anything in this kind of alternative labor market. What inspired you to come up with Field Nation and what problem did you see in the marketplace that you wanted to try to solve? That's a great question, John. Coming from the engineering background right out of college, I was meeting with entrepreneurs and enthusiasts, business enthusiasts who have a business idea but need a techie guy to come in and build stuff, right? And I helped do a few of them and none of them go anywhere. And then I met a group of people who are working with Fujitsu, this global technology giant. And they were working to deploy large field services project uh, across the United States. And I saw the pain in terms of how do I find the right qualified tech in the specific location? How do I verify that they're the right people? How do I manage that engagement? So each job is on site. For each job, you need a qualified, skilled technician. And in that certain geography, geographical area, and now, you know, think about you're doing that in thousands of locations, right? Mm -hmm. And that multiplies the pain in an exponential way. Like, you know, how, how do I find these hundreds and thousands of people in specific area who knows this specific type of work, who, can, who have done this on a specific device, whether in networking or cabling or POS or digital signage or AV install, whatever the case may be. And you do it in thousands of locations. So that was the genesis of, you know, Field Nation, like solving this problem mm. for this one specific project for this one specific client. And then we very quickly realized that this is not just one project problem or one customer problem, right. my gosh, that every OEM and every MSP and every VAR or any technology services company have the same problem. And in the United States and across the globe, 
Mm-hmm. And so that was the genesis of that, you know, about 14 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. It's so cool to see, you know, I, what I love about entrepreneurs and being one all the time is entrepreneurs are so good at asking, why not? Looking at a problem instead of saying, you know, drilling down deeper and deeper and deeper and not thinking about the constraints, but then looking at it alternatively and saying, well, why not try this? Why not do it a little bit differently? And it's super cool to see what you've done. No, that's exactly right. I mean, when we started, and this is something before the podcast you and I were talking, the evolution was yeah. just remarkable. I, I yeah. told you before the podcast, when we got started in 2008, everybody was like, you're like Craigslist. We cannot use Phil Nation. We are an enterprise. And now, fast forward 14 years later, we're the largest field services labor provider in IT and telecom space. We do it through the online platform. We connect tens of thousands of businesses with hundreds of thousands of independent technicians that are validated contractors. And we have delivered billions of dollars of field work with thousands of businesses that are OEMs and MSPs and VARs and other technology services companies. And it's working and we prove that model works really well. The quality is as good, if not better. You know, the underlying sentiment when people bring up, is this model gonna work? What they're really saying is that, is it gonna give me the quality as good as I need? Exactly. And can it be compliant? And the answer is yes and yes. Just, you know, last Friday, I had a call with an executive from a Fortune 500 OEM. And they said, Phil Nation technicians and engineers are better than my W2. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I said, of course they are, because yeah. they're business owners. Exactly. <laughs> they don't depend on a, on a paycheck and right. have a secure job. Yeah. Every job matters to them because every job becomes a review, a rating yeah. on their profile, exactly. which brings them to the next job. If they don't perform well one job, that becomes a negative review, negative rating, and that jeopardizes their marketplace reputation for the future job to come in. Yeah, I love that. You'll really love some of the, the research we've done at LISH, at the Laboratory of Innovation Sciences at Harvard and on NASA. So we've looked at about 500 projects, right, over, over a decade. And what we found is that the success rate's like 95% using open talent. But the really interesting metrics are that when we survey the quality of work, Open talent's as good or better quality, but it's also four to five times faster and eight to 10 times cheaper. Right. And so, you know, when you're looking at the scale and the possibility, it's just, it's mind blowing. One of the things that we're dealing with, and I think you probably have some great insight on, is that it's it's almost so successful that companies just don't believe it. They're like, no, that's not possible. Because they, they've got all this kind of old way of doing things, hiring people, onboarding them, you know, like all the time it takes to do that. And so it feels like, at least from my perception, what we're talking about in the book is the two biggest stumbling blocks are really the mindset and the culture. If you're always kind of, hey, I've got a problem. I want to start an AI in my company. CEO goes to the head of HR saying, find me the best you know, strategic AI person. It took, could take six months. Instead, why not go to a platform and hire the best 10 in the world, have an offsite for two days, and then be able to produce a plan right away, right? So that's the mindset shift that needs to happen. It's definitely a mindset mindset change. I call it a paradigm shift. And, yep. and paradigm shift is always difficult because like you said, most of the organization come from this, I need to have that talent secured in my payroll. Right. They're right. my talent. 
Right. They tell them what to do and how to do, do that. And they're not working for anybody else. And it gives you a sense of security, sense of control, yeah. sense of quality and all that kind of stuff. And shifting that paradigm requires a big mindset change. It requires change of their process. Yeah. And that process doesn't exist today. And this is where open assembly come in play. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we're really excited about that and then trying to lean into how do we do that with technology. Well, the paradigm I'm talking about in the book is that you have to go from this ownership mindset that, you know, somehow, I mean, it's so odd too, right? For you and I as entrepreneurs, especially in the space we're in, is like the idea of, of, of a company owning anybody seems like such a weird perspective than accessing the best talent. So shifting from ownership to access, right, is is kind of that big shift that needs to happen. And accessing the best talent. It's not the talent who is available to be no, exactly. employee, but the best talent who will work on my project. Sometimes I feel like some people have that concept notion in their head is that this open talent may not be as good because how come they're open and available? Right. But the fact is, they chose this route to be consultants yeah. and contractors because they are so good. Exactly. And if you look at our workers, our consultants, our, our technicians and engineers, they're 50 years plus, almost 40% plus would be wow. 50 year plus. That means majority of them have uh, a lot of experience. They have done the full-time job. They got the experience. They got the training. And now this is what they want to do. They want the choice. They want to, they want to make the choice for themselves. Mm-hmm. They want the flexibility. And most importantly, they want to control their destiny as a business owner rather than working eight to five, the same vanilla job. A lot of time when we talk to our technicians, they love the variety yeah. going from one type of projects to next different type of project and mixing things up between, between clients. Yeah. And I love what you said earlier too, about the idea that it's really an ownership mindset, right? It's like, if you're a business, you're going to continually upskill yourself because you want to be available and get higher pay and do all those things. If you're an employee, you know, the the reality is in the US, at least some of the figures we've seen at Harvard is that if you hire a full-time employee, and this is kind of average across the US, but that full-time employee only works 35% on the thing you're paying them to do because they're all the kind of meetings and, and cultural important things and all those things that get in the way. Instead of saying, I need a technician that can go do eight hours of work, not 35%, not three hours, not two hours, but I need somebody to crank. Right? That's exactly right. And what's what's really powerful about the type of work that our technicians do is that, that every job is tied to the revenue of the customer, Right. So this technician's job is producing revenue for the customer and you're only paying for the job that they're doing. You're Mm -hmm. you're not paying for the downtime. You're not paying for the stuff that doesn't really matter to your revenue generation. So you're absolutely right. This This is tied to productivity and efficiency and effectiveness of what they do. No, I love it. So let me ask you this, because one of the things that we're finding in, the, in our research and in the work is that one of the other mindset shifts that need to happen when a new client comes in, it's thinking about tasks instead of talent, right? Instead of saying, I need a technician, they'll figure out what to do. It's instead saying, here are the tasks that need to be done for a great technician. Here are the 25 things that need to be done. And once I define those tasks, it's super easy to hire somebody from Open Talent because there's a checklist of exactly what needs to get done for my organization. Are you finding that difficult for new clients? Like, How does that transition go? 
when they're used yeah, to no, just hiring bodies and, and not having the system set up to being more task oriented. Yeah, no, I, I think you touched something really, really important. It's a sloppiness of getting ready to hire the right people and setting them up for success. Right. That requires some pre-work. And the pre-work is to defining that project, the scope, what needs to happen, and then making sure that you have the right technician or engineer to take that and give you the right outcome. Mm -hmm. A lot of this sloppiness in terms of preparing for the project leads to disaster. And it will lead to disaster no matter what kind of talent you have, whether you have your own full-time employee. If you didn't define all the checklists, the task, the scope, then nobody can figure it out. It'll well, They will eventually figure it out after spending a lot of time and wasted effort you know, to deliver that. But you're absolutely right. What we recommend our customers is that invest the time upfront, defining the scope, creating the task list, what needs to happen, and the deliverables that need to be uh, done by the technician and so forth. Then with that, once you define that, even finding the right talent is, is not abstract. Then you can really match the talent to the job that needs to be done. And you can really have a perfect match for that or as close as to be perfect. And then the, when the tech is hired, now they know what needs to be done rather than this abstractness that comes with the job. And they can go right to delivering the job for you. And you're really setting it up, setting them up for success from the get-go. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, another introduction I, I definitely going to do after the call is Steve Rader, who runs the Center of Excellence for Collaborative Innovation at NASA, because he just brought on a bunch of new platforms. But it feels like Field Nation would, would play a really important role in NASA, because there's lots of probably updating systems and things like that. It's just massive burden. And, and I know, you know, Steve's always really looking for something. One of the things that Steve came up with, which I really love, and I, I'd love to get your feedback on is, is he's been talking about the importance of open talent in the, in the concept of ensuring that our, our society as a whole is upskilled to, to the new changes in technology. And his point is, you know, you think about a traditional job and, you know, it, it used to be that you get an annual review and, and now, you know, you might get quarterly reviews. But the thing that Steve's working with with his platforms is to say, can't we use the talent and then you send me a survey and then I fill out the survey and say, how did Manuel do? Oh, he was good on five things, you know, exceptional on two things, but he needs improvement on these three. And right. then what NASA is pushing the, the platforms to do is then offer up the talent. Here are three ways to upskill you in these three things. And, you know, it might be like, hey, go get the certification on this and be able to do that. And once that happens, then Steve is suggesting that the platform then communicate back to him saying, Manuel, just finished the three certifications. Thank you so much for the feedback. It's two weeks later and he's already upskilled and, and learned. And that kind of learning and earning cycle becomes, it's like a flywheel. It just happens faster and faster. And I think that's an important part of it. How are you dealing with helping your entrepreneurs and, and contractors like upskill to make sure they're ready for the next wave of jobs? No, that's a really good question. And I, I love that flywheel example. And I think the flywheel needs to be as real time as possible. For sure. And it's, it's not uh, once a year review. And so the way the platform is built, that flywheel almost real time on a daily basis, like when they get the job notification 
and they can see the jobs that are matching to their skill set that they have mm-hmm. and all the other jobs that they're missing because of mm-hmm. the X, Y, and Z that they don't have, mm-hmm. right? So, so then we can actually help them guide, like, you know, get this certification, get that license awesome. and so forth, right? So real time, they're getting visibility because look, the technology, at least last 12, 18 months, we're seeing massive deployment of newer technology in retail right. stores, right? They're right, right. Upgrade and refresh is going through the roof. And there is a lot of new technology coming in and technology is constantly changing. And so we need to give our engineers more real-time feedback, not once a year feedback. Right. And as the new jobs come in, they get to see like, this is the new trend. Mm-hmm. And this is what I need to do to be able to qualify for these jobs and so forth. So that flywheel that you just mentioned, John, is more real-time throughout platform. I love it. And we also introduced a way to tap into the community power to teach the community. Mm-hmm. Because we may have... 10 people in the community who knows the latest and greatest about this new technology that hit the market last week. Then 10 people can train a thousand people in our community. We are working on that. And I think that has a community power of teaching and sharing. That's so great because, you know, some people want to be out on the road doing it. And, but if you're, you know, 60 years old, you know, you want to be the expert and teach, right. You might want to be the teacher. And so it's such a great, such a great model. One of my favorite people, he's kind of out of the market now, but I just love him. His name's Dean Bosch. He was at TopTel early on and really helped them explode. And one of the ways he suggested that they did that was that they were really proactive of looking at upcoming needs in the marketplace. And so one of the examples he used is he said, you know, early on when AWS is coming online, he knew that there was going to be a lot of demand. He talked to the Amazon team to say, we're going to have a lot of demand. So he put a note out to everybody on his community saying, I will pay for your certification in AWS and guarantee you a job if you go through that training. And of course, you know, everybody in the community is like, sign me up, free training in a, in a you know, work stream. That's awesome. So I think there's another really interesting thing that's happening, right? Instead of somebody like AWS having to wait for organizations to start, right? The little consulting companies and some start and some fail. And it's very, it's very bumpy for those first few years. The idea that, you know, a field nation can say, we know these are going to happen. Here's the ability to train. And if you train, this is going to help your career explode. It's really, it's really an awesome opportunity, I think. I could not agree with you more. I think we could, we could connect that. It's basically connecting all the parties yeah, exactly. Uh, feedback loop, right? Do it faster than the regular model. Where in the example that you gave, in an older model, it would basically Amazon would create something, push it through the market. Then you know, after a few quarters later, the market would respond like, "Hey, yeah. we need more talent and help right. us here." <laughs> right? Yeah, at OA, we're doing working with a lot of the big outsourcing companies, and what's crazy to me is they all have sign these deals with big companies and they can't find tens of thousands of people that are already contracted to work. So that every day they're not, they're losing money That's by right. not doing it. So what we're doing is helping them. And one of the really interesting things in some of our work, we've just done some pilots is that we're pushing you know, time to hire from two and a half months to four days. Wow. And, you know, and you think about that, right. For a company that that's already contracted with these things, it just, it becomes like two months worth of revenue and right. it's just unbelievable. And so it's really, really cool to see how we're starting to 
see it all get organized and in, in a really great way. So it feels to me like, you know, one of the things we're advocating for, I'd love to get your feedback on, is this idea that companies need to set up a, an open talent center of excellence, that there has to kind of be this cycle, the cycle that we've learned at NASA and at Lish is kind of, we start with really assessing the needs inside the company. How ready are you for an open talent model? Then learning the ecosystem, what's out there, how, how could you use, what are the platforms that exist that might work for you? Then experimenting, you know, how do I start experimenting? And then really building, building things out. And what we're recommending is kind of three things. One is an external talent cloud, an internal talent marketplace, and an open innovation capabilities. And then once you do that, you kind of become what we call a networked organization. Then you're really starting to think about how do I scale those things, right? How do I really turn it on so it's not just one or two or a hundred, it's like thousands of people filling these jobs. That's exactly right. So first of all, I think you're absolutely right about creating a center for excellence. We have seen that some customers, some companies take the approach of open talent as the crisis come up. Right, right. I have a crisis. I need somebody right now. Right. But that can get you through the crisis, but that's not going to change the paradigm that you and I were talking about. Yeah, You really want to change the paradigm and go from whatever uh, practice you have, having full-time employee base or outsourcing you know, some other service providers to really create your own talent pool. Exactly. And that requires for the organization to create their own center for excellence and defining their own best practices in terms of how that's going to work how the external talent pool that you call the talent cloud, how that's going to work with the internal workforce. Mm-hmm. And, and the best is to figure out how to blend these two together, exactly. not keep them completely you know, separate, but figure out how they should come together. And for your customer, it should not feel any different. You know, When that job is done, they wouldn't feel whether it was done, they didn't care whether it was done by your own full-time employee or by an external consultant. It should be done with the same quality, with the same compliance. And that does require building up that process that you and I are talking about and having a dedicated team focusing on building that muscle for the organization. And you know, I would just add one more thing is here is that I always tell our customers is that the random assignment to a consultant will give you random outcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not the consultant's fault. Right. <laughs> it's just that you were not thoughtful enough to figure out how to make that successful. It's the yeah. same thing. If you randomly hire a full-time employee, you're just going to have a random out- outcome. You're not exactly. going to exactly. that Just because a full-time employee doesn't mean you know he's always going to be excellent, Right. So that's why the thoughtfulness in that process by creating a center for excellence and creating that processes, the method for creating that external talent pool. I always say that, you know, we we run a marketplace, Phil Nation marketplace, but we always advocate our customers and we help them to create their certified network of engineers and talent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So every technician could go through their vetting process and mm-hmm. credentialing and ultimately become their gig squad. Right. You know, ABC gig squad for yeah. your company, yeah, right? Yeah. That, that, that doesn't have to be any less qualified or compliant than your own full-time people, right? Yeah. But it does require 
a design yeah. of what goes in the talent pool and who should be in that talent pool. How are we going to use that talent pool in conjunction with my own other workforce that I have? So I think if people put the right thought into this process, I think they can be extremely successful getting the outcome from the external talent pool. I love it. That's so good. Let's just shift gears. You know, there's been so much going on, you know, coming out of COVID. And where do you think this is going to be five to 10 years from now? This whole open talent marketplace. I mean, you know, World Economic Forum says that 50% of global employment is going to be freelance in 2027. But what are you seeing? What's the split right now between using open talent for field work versus full-time? How is that going to change in the next five to 10 years? It's a great question. So let me start by saying, you know, we started in 2008 during Great Recession. And we saw that was a great catalyst for the mid-market and SMB market to say, during this crisis, we need to make a change. And they did make that change. We saw a wave coming during that time, the Great Recession. And we saw another wave during the COVID. So the, the crisis is a catalyst for the change. When things are going okay, these are painful change. These could be painful yeah. change. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, for sure. And companies tend to kick the can down the road. We'll make that change later and later right. and later. But then when there's a crisis, then this is the moment to make that change. So we love a good crisis because that, that creates a sense of urgency for the companies to embrace a change. We saw that. And I think the wave of embracing the open talent is rising. It's now becoming the mainstream. It used to be like the you know SMBs do, do, do that because they don't have enough capital for, to hire their people and stuff like that. Now it's in the mainstream. Now it's yeah. in the enterprise. Now it is the thing that will define whether you can be competitive in the market or you have to say no to projects because you don't have people yeah. to deliver the project that you need to deliver. This is so awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. You know, I think that's a great place to stop. And, and thanks so much for such an amazing conversation. And also what an honor it is to meet you. And let's continue the dialogue. John, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks yeah, for me, having me. Me too. Thanks again.